Hope all is well. Pray this message blesses you greatly. If you would open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 18 to 21. The title of this message is The Price of Redemption. Open your Bibles. Here we go. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He has foreknown before the foundations of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. This is the reading of God's word. Let us pray. Lord God, I pray that you would be here in the midst of this message, that it would not be me who speak, but you, Holy Spirit, would speak it. And I pray that the hearts would be prepared to receive what you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at today's text, I believe a good title for this message is The Price of Redemption. I would like to break this into three parts also. Our sad past or our present state. Secondly, the precious price. And lastly, by whom for what? Last week, I had preached and we came face to face with the holiness of God. In that we, we learn that Christ's holiness brings us to our sinfulness and our sinfulness brings us to repentance and our repentance brings us to the only person capable of delivering us from the clutches of sin. And that's Jesus Christ. Remember, Peter is writing to exiled saints. These exiled saints are needing hope to live in this world specifically because they were ultimately hated for believing in and preaching a resurrected Christ. And this could only be done by keeping a futuristic perspective, meaning earlier Peter talked about having a girded mind, a mind fixed on the grace that will be brought to them at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Also, Peter talked about having a sober mind. And this is a mind fixed on the grace that will be brought to them at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I also want you to understand that the holiness he talks about, you should be holy for I am holy. It's attainable. How is this? It's because holiness is imparted on us. See, we are not independent. No, believers are dependent. Meaning, meaning we, we understand that apart from God, we can do nothing. Just as we are dependent upon God to breathe, we can't walk in holiness unless it is grace to us by God himself. And when we truly grasp the beauty of salvation, we then are graced to live in his holiness. So if you want to summarize 1 Peter chapter 1, Verses 13 through 17, those that's the call to obedience. That's also the call to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And let that lead us to what we're going to get to, because today we're going to talk about the glory of Christ. 
and the, his finished work on the cross. Now we're to our first point, our sad past and our present state. Look with me at verse 18. It says, knowing that you were ransomed from the from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold. The first key point in verse 18 I want to talk about is this word ransom. This is the same word translated redeemed. This word means a release from a legal obligation. It also means deliverance from desperate circumstances. And these circumstances are closely connected with a payment. And this payment is necessary to affect the release of this person. I, I like that definition because it is supported with, with what we see in Exodus. If you have your Bibles, open it to Exodus chapter six. We're going to read verses six and seven. And I want you to see this, this ransom, this redeeming. Verse six says, say, therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with the outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Look at the patterns we see in those two verses. I will bring you out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. I will take you to be my people. I will be your God. See, the Christian faith is not based on works, but the pattern we see here is that God does for his people what they cannot do for themselves. The, the people, if they could free themselves, they would have, but they couldn't. Only God could deliver them. The people could not pay for the, the price of their freedom. No, God had to redeem them. And when you think about it, the people were unworthy to be considered the children of God, yet God himself adopts them as his own. I want you to grasp this pattern that redemption is the work of God on our behalf. It is a grace gift. And as Ephesians states, it's not of works, so no man can boast. Now, Let's look at a New Testament example of this. Jesus' own words in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, he says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And we see here that, that Jesus, he is the lamb of this Old Testament. He's the lamb of the Old Testament. He is the substitute. See, it should have been our sins that led us to the cross. Yet Christ willingly takes our place. As theologians like to say, this is called substitutionary atonement. Galatians chapter three is a, ver a perfect definition of this. 
It says this in verse 13 of Galatians 3. Christ redeemed us. Let me restart that over. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is anyone who hangs upon a tree. We see here that Christ is our great redeemer. Christ and Christ alone pays our ransom. I really want you to grab this concept. Peter, he, he focuses in on what we are delivered from. If you look at verse 18, he says, the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. See, Peter is now taking the believer to the root of the matter. I believe two things are present here in this, in, in this verse. One, slavery to sin. And second, slavery to tradition. Now, you may be saying, what are you getting at, Chris? Well, in John chapter 8, Jesus says this, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth and this truth will set you free. So you're asking free from what? See, the blood of Jesus frees us from the bondage. See, the blood of Jesus frees us from the slavery. Slavery of what? Slavery of sin. I, I love the way Dave Early stated this in his book, Spiritual Formation. He says, the Lord God not only pardoned our crimes and let us out of prison, but he has also made us his own children. See, we are no longer slaves to sins. We are children of God. I think Dave Early did a great job. See, in Christ, we are no longer slaves to sin. But in Christ, we are free. Just as Jesus stated, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But let's focus in on tradition. Remember that second piece, tradition. You're saying we can be slaves to tradition? And I would answer yes. Just as you can be a slave to sin, you can just as easily fall into the slavery of habits and patterns. Brothers and sisters, this is called religion. You might know someone who's under this heavy burden of tradition. This person goes to confessional three, four or five times a week. This person says, Hail Mary's 13, 14 times a day. You may see people who are hoping that their works would satisfy God, but scripture is clear. Our works are but filthy rags. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know, only by grace, only by the free gift of grace, can we receive this awesome gift of salvation. Let that lead us to our second point, the precious price. Look with me at verses 18 and 19. Knowing that you were ransomed from the future ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish. I want you to notice the contrast here in verses 18 and 19. Let's start with the negative. 
Negative, it says, we are not, not ransomed with perishable things such as silver and gold. This means we are not ransomed with things that decay. I want you to think of a, a jewelry store. Think, paint this picture in, the mind, in your mind. Going into a jewelry store and observing all those beautiful, shiny pieces of jewelry. Notice that all of these pieces of jewelry are laced with LED lights. Each one has a black background. Why is this? Because the jeweler, the jeweler understands that even his most glamorous piece of jewelry is tarnished, that it has impurities. But that's not the case here that we see in verse 19, because in the contrast, he says, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish. See, we must understand that there is value in the blood. Think about this. Every person, your blood is important. Your life is important. Blood is considered life in the Bible. Think about this. Your blood is more valuable than gold. Think about this. Your life is more valuable than money. So look at the adjective that Peter used. He says precious. This word indicates costly. This means infinite value. This word precious means highly esteemed. It means of held in high honor. Why is it held in high honor? Because this is the lamb without blemish or without spot. If you observe the Old Testament, you'll see sacrifice after sacrifice, all offering temporary atonement of sin. And you just didn't offer any kind of animal. You offered the best of your flock and even the best of your flock wasn't good enough. But Jesus. Yes, Jesus, he is the perfect and unblemished lamb, not of man, but of God. If you have a pen you need to write down Isaiah chapter 53 because just like John MacArthur, I agree, this is the fifth gospel. This is the gospel according to God. And he says this in verse seven, he says, he was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that was led into the slaughter and like a sheep that before his shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. And then he goes down to verse 10. And he says, yet it was the will of God to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. We see this atonement. He shall prolong his days. This is everlasting to everlasting. He will of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. We see here that Jesus's blood is priceless, is precious. Because Jesus is the unblemished, only begotten son of God. And yes, Jesus was and is the altogether requirement, the perfect requirement, the perfect ransom for sin. Now, look at our third point. By whom? For what? Verse 20 and 21 reads this of 1 Peter. He was foreknown before the foundations of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him, 
are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. I want you to know that before time ever existed, Jesus was and is designated as the sacrificial lamb of God. So, yes, I'm saying this, but don't just take my word for it. Let scripture define itself. Acts 2.23, Peter is speaking to the crowd at Pentecost and he says this, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and the foreknowledge of God. You sacrificed and killed by the hands of lawless men. What about the words of the Apostle Paul? He says this to, to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ before the ages began. See, lastly, I want you to look at the revelation of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus says this in Revelation 13. He says this, and all who dwell on earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has been written before, before the foundation of the world in the book of life, which is the book of life of the lamb who was slain. So the sacrifice of Jesus was not a reaction on, on the fall of man. It has always been the plan of God. But but I want you to notice that God was pleased with the son. Peter makes a direct statement here. He says God raised him from the dead and he did something else. He gave him glory. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our foundation as Christians. That Jesus Christ is alive and Jesus Christ is real. That the grave could not hold him. That Jesus is glorified at the right hand of the Father and whose name is above every name. I want to end you with this thought. Have you ever wondered why a perfect and holy God would step down from his throne and die a sinner's death? Well, Peter answers this question in verse 20. He says, for the sake of you. Yes. Jesus died our death that we may live. Yes. This should have been us on the cross. Yes. When Jesus says it is finished, he completed the work that God had given him. And yes, Jesus is the righteous requirement of the law. First Peter chapter two, verse 24 states it completely. He himself bore our sins in the body on the tree that we may die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. So yes, indeed, the empty tomb is evidence. It's evidence for our past salvation, our present sanctification, and our future glory. Now we can walk in Romans chapter 6 when he says, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we, too, may walk 
in the newness of life. Thank you for tuning in. I pray that God will bless you with this message. Be blessed.